You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome into the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We're so glad that you were joining us this week for another episode. If you're listening uh, this week, you're going to be listening to the second part of a of a two part um, episode. So we recorded the last uh, episode that you may have heard uh, questions about heaven, uh, questions and answers about heaven, rather. And we'll be doing the second um, episode of that today. And so that's what you're going to be listening to uh, for this episode. Again, we want to thank all of you who are listening, uh, those who come to us via downloading um, the podcast or maybe one of the apps. We want to thank you. We also want to thank our Facebook listeners. We've got a strong group of folks that listen uh, to us routinely on Facebook. And so thank you for that. For any of our first-time listeners, we want to um, welcome you to the Bonefire Podcast. Um, In my opinion, you're listening to uh, the best Bible study podcast that's available at this time, and uh, we're a little biased here, but we encourage you to come in and just spend some time with us, uh, get your Bible out, and and listen to what we have to say and study along with us, and uh, I'll let you judge for yourself. And if you like it, I just encourage you to subscribe and and to like and follow and do all those fun things that we need you to do uh, to keep the ministry going uh, there in, in computer land uh, that we're in right now. So again, thank you. And again, go back and check out some of those other episodes. Well, Dad, uh, you know, today is going to be a first for us. Uh, This is the first time I think that we've recorded a podcast and we're going to release it on the same day. Right. Yeah. So we're doing a same day turnaround. Uh, So for those of you who are listening, uh, it is Sunday um, and today is November 15th, and it's about 3.30 in the afternoon. And so we're going to record this episode, and then we're going to get it uh, edited and published and turn back around for an 8 o'clock release tonight. So um, hopefully, when you're listening to this, we made it through that. Um, That's right. <laughs> hopefully, we, we make that timeline, and um, we'll get back on schedule and hopefully not be uh, quite as pushed back. But the last couple of weeks, um, we've just had uh, troubling schedules, and we've had you know health concerns and all that stuff going on around us. Um, mm-hmm. And so we just had to uh, to kind of uh, come now. This is the only time that we could do it. So that's right. Uh, with God's help, we'll get it done. So, all right. Well, everyone, we're going to pick up where we left off last time. And again, if you remember and if you listened, uh, we were talking about questions and answers of, of heaven. And uh, you know, we did the the episode "Heaven Is," where we really talked about uh, in Revelations, where it talks about uh, what the new heaven and the new earth is going to be like, and and tried to do our best to put into words and describe to you how wonderful a place heaven is going to be. And we told you then, and I'll tell you again now, we can't put into words exactly how mm-hmm. beautiful this is. Uh, even the writer of, of Revelation, John, I'm, I'm sure struggled uh, to put in into ink. Um, what he was seeing uh, in the visions that was being provided to him um, through God. And so um, it's going to be a wonderful place. Um, But in the last episode, we started addressing some key questions, things that people wonder about, uh, things that people ponder about. It's those questions that that you wonder, you know heaven's there, you maybe believe uh, all your life in heaven, but you've always wondered about uh, what what would we do in heaven or or how would we spend our time. And we're trying to address some of those, and we're going to address some of those um, uh, key questions again today. So we've got a few questions we'll be going through uh, with you today. And so we're going to just jump right on in. And the first question, Dad, to kick us off here is, um, you know, we have a relationship with with God here on earth, but I'm wondering what will our relationship with God be like in heaven? Okay. Well, if you have a relationship with God down here on earth, your relationship with God will continue in heaven, except your relationship will be stronger, even closer, enhanced 
Why? Because in heaven, you'll be able to communicate with God face to face. One of my favorite hymns is entitled, Face to Face with Christ my Savior. Verse 2 of that hymn says, Only faintly now I see him with the darkening veil between. But a blessed day is coming when his glory shall be seen. And the chorus, face to face I shall behold him far beyond the starry sky, face to face in all his glory. I shall see him by and by in heaven. We will be able to see Jesus and talk with him as the song says, face to face. You know, Matt, I can talk with you on the telephone, but how much better it is to talk to you in person, face to face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, the relationship we have with God now here on this earth and our communication with him is wonderful, but it will definitely be enhanced when we get to heaven. As further evidence of this, consider this. All who have put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior make up the bride of Christ. After Christ comes for his bride, the church, at the rapture, there will be a marriage in heaven between the church, that's the bride, and Jesus, the bridegroom. This fact alone makes the case for Christians having an enhanced relationship with Jesus in heaven. And here's something else that speaks of our enhanced relationship with God in heaven. Have you ever noticed that food and fellowship go together? No one likes to eat alone. We like to enjoy our food in the company of other people. In relation to what the Bible has to say about food, Randy Alcorn in his book Heaven points out that words describing eating, meals, and food appear over a thousand times in Scripture, with the English translation feast occurring 187 times. He points out that feasting involves celebration and fun and is profoundly relational. Think about it. Great conversation, storytelling, and laughter often happen at mealtimes. Have you ever noticed how much of Jesus' ministry was centered around meals? After Jesus celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples, during which he instituted the Lord's Supper, Jesus said to his disciples in Luke twenty-two eighteen, I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And right after this, he said in Luke twenty-two, twenty-nine and 30, And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. In the new heaven and upon the new earth, we will sit down at the table and feast with Jesus himself. Now today, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, Jesus is spiritually present, but in heaven Jesus will be physically present at the table. What fellowship we will have with him then. Our fellowship will be taken to the next level. I want you to note that there is a real special feast coming up following the marriage between the church. That's the bride. That involves us, the children of God, and Jesus, the bridegroom. The Bible tells us that there will be a great marriage feast. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. At this marriage supper, the bride, all of us that know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, will have a place of honor next to the bridegroom, Jesus. But the bride and the bridegroom won't be the only ones there. There will be guests that will be invited to come to the marriage supper. Revelation 19.9 says of the feast, right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The ones who are called or invited 
are all those saved before Pentecost, all those saved by grace through faith up to the birth of the church. In other words, the Old Testament saints. The guests will also include tribulation saints. Matthew 8, 11, Jesus said, And I say to you that many will come from the east to the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Not only will we dine with the Lord Jesus, but also with the Old Testament patriarchs when we get to heaven. Won't it be great to hear them tell their stories in person? Well, the final thing I want to say about what our relationship with God in heaven will be like is this. Down here on earth, we that are Christians are children of God. In heaven, we will still be children of God. God will still be our heavenly Father, and we will worship Him and the Lamb who sits on the throne, the Lord Jesus Christ. In summary, for Christians in heaven, our relationship with God will continue, except, as I said, it will be closer, much deeper than it has ever been before. For our podcast audience out there, I want to say, if you don't have a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus when you die, you will not have a relationship with God in eternity. Instead, you will be permanently separated from God in hell. And that's not what God wants for you. And we'll tell you how you can have a relationship with God later. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that was a great uh, explanation there. And you know, just think about it. Um, you know, what are we going to do when we get an opportunity to uh, see Jesus and, and to talk with Him? You know, it's mm-hmm. like you said, it's one thing to have a relationship with with Him on this earth, and right. I spend quite a bit of time in prayer and meditation and 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 walking with the Lord. But I'm looking forward to actually walking with the Lord. Right. You know, walking beside that uh, river of life there, yeah. um, along those streets of gold. I just I I can't wait mm-hmm. uh, till I get the opportunity to do that and. And for me, you know, at the part that you talked about, this the this is probably the dearest to me is, you know, we, I really want to be close to Christ, and, I, right. and I, that's part of my prayer uh, each and every day is God, I want to get closer to you. Yeah, I want to be closer and more like Jesus, and um, just the opportunity to be right there side by side. I think that's mm. going to be an amazing that's experience. Right. That is, yeah. I, I can't wait to to experience, and I hope all of our listeners uh, that you're waiting in anticipation for that as well. Well, Dad, that brings us to our next question uh, that I wanted to ask you, and that is. Will we remember the things that are happening uh, or, or happened on earth and we'll be kind of cognizant of what's going on on earth right now? Well, the answer to this question is yes. Some people claim that we won't remember our prior lives on this earth, including the relationship so precious to us. They believe that God will erase our memories. And those that believe this point to Isaiah sixty-five seventeen is proof, which says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. But those that point to this verse as proof that God will somehow purge our memories, use it out of context. The context of Isaiah 65, 17 is verse 16. Speaking to the nation of Israel, God says in verse 16, because the former troubles are forgotten and because they are hidden from my eyes. From this we see that it is God who does the forgetting, not us. This does not mean that our omniscient God can't recall Israel's past transgressions. Rather, it's like God's comment to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 31, 34, where he said, I will remember their sins no more. It means that God chooses not to bring up our past sins or hold them against us. In eternity, past sins and sorrows won't preoccupy God and they will not preoccupy us. 
we'll be capable of choosing not to recall or dwell on anything that would diminish heaven's joy. Now, over in Revelation 6, 9 through 11, we learn that the martyrs now in the intermediate heaven remembered how they were persecuted unto death on earth. In Luke 16, 25, Jesus promised that in heaven, those who endured bad things on earth would be comforted for them. The comfort implies memory of what happened. If we have no memory of bad things, why would we need comfort? Our minds will be sharper in heaven, not duller. Randy Alcorn, in his book entitled Heaven, made a very interesting observation. He said, recalling the reality of past troubles, sorrows, and sins would set a sharp contrast to the glories of heaven as darkness does the light, as heaven does the hell. We would lose this contrast if we forgot what sorrow was. If we forgot we were desperate sinners, how could we appreciate the depth and meaning of Christ's redemptive work for us? Even though Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 tells us that in heaven God will wipe away our tears from our eyes and that there will be no more sorrow or pain, God will not erase from our minds human history and what Christ did to save us from our sins. Scripture teaches us that in His resurrected body, Christ retains His scars. Seeing them will be a constant reminder that it was to save us from our sins that He endured the cross. I want to point to one more thing in Scripture that makes a case for us remembering our former lives once we go to heaven. Over in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, Jesus gives the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. To put it in a nutshell, the rich man in Jesus's parable had clothes of purple made from fine linen. He dined on the finest foods. In contrast, Lazarus was a beggar who had sores all over his body. He laid at the rich man's gate, hoping to be fed from the scraps from the rich man's table. Both the rich man and the poor man, Lazarus, in this parable of Jesus, as you know, died. Upon death, the angels carried Lazarus, the beggar, to Abraham's bosom, another name for paradise, whereas the rich man ended up in hell, Hades. While the rich man was being tormented in the flames of hell, Lazarus was being comforted. The rich man from hell could see Lazarus reclining next to Abraham. So he called out to Abraham to have Lazarus dip his finger in water and send him to cool his tongue. In verse 25, Abraham said, Son, remember in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. Notice Abraham told the rich man, remember that in your lifetime. Now, Abraham wouldn't have asked the rich man to do something that was impossible for him to do in hell. In the afterlife, whether in heaven or in hell, you will remember your life on earth, and you will remember the relationships that you had on earth. In verses 27 through 28, the rich man asked Abraham, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him, meaning Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. You see, in hell, the rich man remembered his relationships on earth. He remembered that he had five brothers. In the afterlife, we will remember our former relationships down here. Your mind does not quit working when you go to heaven. You will know who you are 
and you will know other people. You will remember your family who you have left behind. So now we know that in heaven we will remember what happened on earth. But will we know about what is presently taking place on earth in heaven? Well, according to the Bible, I think to some degree we certainly will. Hebrews 12.1 has often been a verse pointed to to prove that people in heaven can look down upon us that are on earth. But once again, this verse is often taken out of context and misused. To get the original intent of this verse, you have to look back at Hebrews 11, the preceding chapter. After guiding us on a tour through the hall of heroes in Hebrews 11, the author concludes in chapter 12, verse 1, saying, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, at first glance, this verse appears to imply that the current occupants of heaven are like spectators that attract me, sitting in the stands, watching the occupants on earth run the race of faith. But although the word witnesses does imply spectators, the verse doesn't really teach that all of heaven's population is leaning over the banisters of heaven, so to speak, watching us. In the context, cloud of witnesses refers only to those Old Testament saints mentioned in Hebrews 11. The point the writer is making is that in the light of the example of those who persevered in their faith, we should keep moving forward in obeying God regardless of the obstacles we face. Nevertheless, there is some indication that those in heaven are aware of what is happening on earth. A few minutes ago, I referred to the tribulation martyrs that the Apostle John saw in heaven. These were people who were saved during the seven years of tribulation that will follow the rapture of the church. At the time John saw them, their numbers were continuing to increase and be added to as people were killed on earth for their refusal to accept the mark of the Antichrist and worship him. As I said earlier, these tribulation martyrs remembered that they were persecuted on earth. But according to Revelation 6.10, they were also aware at least to some extent, of what was happening on earth at the time. In verse 10, they lamented to God, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? From this we see that they knew their persecutors on earth were continuing their assault against God's people. They were wanting God to step in and do something now. How did these tribulation saints in heaven know what was taking place on earth? Well, there are constantly people arriving in heaven. And as we've already established, we don't forget what happened on earth when we get to heaven. Certainly, heaven's new arrivals bring updated reports about what is currently taking place on earth. One other place in the Bible that suggests that the saints in heaven are aware to some extent about what is happening on earth is Luke 15, 7 and 10. At the conclusion of the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus said in verse 7, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. And then in verse 10, Jesus added, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy 
in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Note that Jesus doesn't say angels rejoice over repentant lost sinners, though they probably do. Jesus said rejoicing took place in heaven in the presence of the angels, indicating that Christians in heaven are celebrating the salvation of sinners on earth. If citizens in heaven rejoice at the salvation of sinners, then they not only know what is taking place on earth in a general sense, but they are aware of the specific choices individuals are making on earth, such as to accept Christ's offer of salvation. Here's another question to consider. Since it appears that believers in heaven are aware of the faith commitments of those on earth, Will those same heavenly believers lament the damnation of others? And if so, how can anyone ever be happy in heaven knowing that people they cared about on earth are being tormented forever in hell? Dr. Robert Jeffries, in his book, A Place Called Heaven, he gave two reasonable answers for how we can reconcile our joy in heaven with our knowledge of the suffering of our loved ones in hell. To begin with, Christians will be preoccupied with the joys of heaven when we get to heaven. In Hebrews 12, 2, the writer of Hebrews notes that Jesus willingly endured the cross so that he could experience the joy set before him when he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Additionally, Scripture teaches that complete joy will be the primary emotion of those in heaven. Psalm 1611 says, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. In heaven, we will be just like Jesus, who experiences the fullness of joy in spite of what is happening down here on earth and in hell. The second reasonable answer for how we can reconcile our joy in heaven with the knowledge of people we know in hell is that in heaven we will understand the plan and the justice of God. It is important to note that God doesn't send people to hell. They freely choose to go to hell by rejecting God's gift of salvation through Jesus' death and resurrection. We will see God's justice in punishing those who refuse to accept Christ when we get to heaven. Now, Matt, here's a question I want to ask you. Will we be reunited with and recognize our loved ones in heaven? You know, that's a great question. I think it's probably um, one of the questions that people are most concerned about. Uh, You just talked about, you know, knowing uh, what's going on in heaven. Well, well, if we remember and will folks in heaven know what's going on, it's good comfort to know that. But for me, this question is probably the most comforting um, of all of Mm -hmm. them uh, to talk about. And and so the way I characterize this, Dad, is, you know, I, I believe that being with Jesus will be the greatest joy in heaven. Right. But the second greatest joy in heaven is going to be being reunited with our loved ones and those that we have known on earth and being in heaven with them. That's right. You know, um, the certainty of an ultimate reunion is so sweet that it makes parting bearable. You know, uh-huh. so, you know when we think about how many people we, we know in our lifetime that, that go on before us, that's, mm-hmm. that's a troubling time. And so knowing that there is this reunion that's going to happen is is just so comforting to know. And that, as you referenced, um, you know, the Bible or the scriptures, nowhere where I can find teaches that there's going to be a memory wipe. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate you addressing Isaiah 65 because oftentimes that does get used out of context. And mm-hmm. and in fact, the Bible speaks, you know, contrary to that, that we are going to to know and going to recognize. Mm-hmm. And the the verses of scripture that I want us to just spend some time going over today, and, and uh, you guys have heard me talk about this on this podcast, or some of my favorite scripture 
uh, to, to read through, and that's First Thessalonians in, in chapter 4, verses uh, 13 uh, through 18. And so mm-hmm. very popular scripture. Oftentimes this gets uh, read at funerals when someone uh, leaves this world. But I want us to spend some time and just talk about that just for a moment, and I'm going to read that to you here. It says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those that have fallen asleep. Now, that's a euphemism that um, Paul is using here to talk about those who have died. Mm -hmm. Concerning those who have fallen asleep, at least you sorrow as those who have no hope. Now, that's an important part of this uh, scripture because what Paul is telling us here is that if we are Christians, those Mm -hmm. of us who are alive, Mm -hmm. and we know that the person that has just passed away and that we're getting ready to lay to rest was a Christian as well, we shouldn't grieve and sorrow like a lost person right. because there is satisfaction in knowing that we will see them again in the in the future. And that's what it gets to that's in right. verse 14. It says, for if we believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's some great uh, theology right there is right. that, you know, Jesus went to the cross and he paid the penalty for sin, but he not only paid the penalty for sin, he cured our, he cured our problem. We had a death problem. Right. You know, everyone's going to die. Um, that was part of the curse that came to man. But we as Christians have an opportunity to live beyond this life here physically mm-hmm. on earth and to live forever. And so uh, this verse tells us that, you know, when these people have fallen asleep or have died, mm-hmm. that there's going to be a day when they're going to come back and they're going to come back with Jesus. And as we keep reading, we learn a little bit more about that. Verse 15 says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. And then the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall be always with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And so um, a couple of things we want to talk about here, uh, Paul says that, hey, those who are living, they're not going to go first, right? It's going to be mm-hmm. those who are dead in Christ. Um, so just imagine, you know, Hollywood likes to, to talk about zombies and walking dead yeah. and all this good stuff. That's right. Well, at one point in time, that's actually going to happen. The, mm-hmm. the, the graves are going to fly wide open, and we're going to see the bodies of these believers coming up out of the ground to be reunited with their soul mm-hmm. in the air. And then those of us who are still alive, we're going to join them in the clouds. And so, you know, that's just going to be a big family reunion. Right. You know, and, right. and that to me is is, is the, the answer to this question is, yes, we're going to be reunited. We're going to be reunited in the air. That's right. Uh, with each other. We're going to be re- reunited with our loved ones. Uh, those who have gone on before us are going to be reunited with people that we've been disconnected from. But most importantly, we're going to be reunited at that point with Jesus uh, there in the clouds. I like the last part of First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, is so shall we ever Ever be with the Lord. I like that's, that. That's correct. And so it doesn't mean that it's going to change after that. That's right. that's the mode that we're going to be in going forward. And so we're going to go into eternity knowing each other, recognizing our loved ones, and being with them, and worshiping together um, in heaven, as we've talked about um, in, in our recent podcast. Verse 18 there, again, it says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't believe, I believe every single word in the Bible is true. And I believe every single word in the Bible was here for a purpose. And I, and I 
just can't believe that that uh, the inspired Word of God would have verse 18 if it wasn't possible that we are going to be reunited and we're going to know each other. That's because right. Mm-hmm. This is to comfort us, is to know that, yes, that loved one, that dear husband that you lost, uh, that you're going to see him again, or that mm-hmm. that child that maybe you lost uh, to, an, to a, a miscarriage, that you're going to see that child again. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be an opportunity to reunite with these loved ones. Right. You know, Dad, uh, this leads kind of to a second question uh, that I want to couple with this, and that's that's talking about well, how are these relationships change when we're we're in heaven, and and mm-hmm. so a lot of times people say, well, you know, I'm married on earth, and my husband, you know, went to heaven before me, and will I be, you know, his wife or I'll be his husband, you know, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Um, what will that be like in heaven? And so I just wanted to address that kind of with this question as well, and and I want us to go back to Matthew because Jesus actually answered the question. Yeah, right? he, he answered did. it in mm-hmm. in Matthew uh, chapter twenty two, and just uh, for those of you who need to be caught up on the story, this uh, the Sanhedrin, or sorry, Sadducees at this point, uh, were trying to catch Jesus in a trap. And mm-hmm. so they came up with probably one of the hardest uh, riddles that they could come up with. And they gave the scenario, um, a what if scenario. I love people that are always trying yeah. to be negative because usually right. they go to a what if scenario. Oh, that's right. And so these uh, these Sadducees came up to Jesus and said, okay, what if Jesus, you know, the law teaches that if a man um, and a, a man and woman are married and, and the man dies and the woman hasn't had a child, that the brother of that man is supposed to, to take over uh, in that relationship. And so they pitched the story of their seven brothers and every one of them died. And then finally the woman died. Who's who's going to be married uh, to that person when they get to heaven? Mm-hmm. And I, I could almost uh, just read through the text here. Uh, you know, Jesus almost kind of cracking a smile as he answers here in verse 29. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scripture nor the power of God. Now, he's talking to some Sadducees, right? That's These right. are the people that would pride themselves in knowing the scriptures better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he says, you don't understand uh, the scriptures nor the power of God. And then verse 30, it says, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given to marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, you have not read what was in or what has spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. Mm, And so in those verses right there, we, we see that, you know, we're going to recognize our loved ones. We're going to know our spouses and and know our children and our moms and our dads and our uncles and brothers. But those relationships that we have here on earth, those are not going to be the same relationships that we're with in heaven. So, right. for example, I'm married to my wife, Brandy. Um, and uh, one day, you know, we're going to leave this world. I don't know which one of us will go first. But uh, when we get to heaven together, I'm going to know who Brandy is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to know that that was my wife. But at that point, we won't need marriage. Right. Uh, those relationships are not needed in heaven. Uh, Brandy's going to be my sister in Christ in heaven. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be married uh, to, to Jesus as, mm-hmm. as he's going to be married to the bride of the church. And so um, those relationships are going to change. I know that's hard for some people to think about, well, I I don't know if I like that. But you're going to be with your loved ones. You're going to know them. Um, But these these earthly relationships that we form of of brothers and sisters and and husbands and wives and mothers and fathers, that's not going to matter when you get to heaven. You're all going to be there together, and the focus is going to be on worshiping Jesus for all eternity. Mm -hmm. You know, Dad, we're uh, getting to the the end of, of 2020, 
And uh, I think most of us will be glad to see 2020 go. Yeah. And uh, But there's no promise that 2021 will be any better. That's right. Um, but I, I just think, you know, we're getting ready to enter into a tough time of year for a lot of people. We're going to be entering into the holiday season. Uh, we're going to be entering into Thanksgiving here in a, another week or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately getting into the Christmas holiday and, and then uh, on into New Year's. But I think about this time as, as a time that usually brings a lot of joy uh, to many hearts. But there are a lot of people out there who are hurting right. because they've lost loved ones. Right. Um, they may have lost loved ones this year. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, there's people who have lost loved ones to the, the coronavirus mm-hmm. uh, this year. There's others that have just lost loved ones. It seems like uh, we were talking earlier this week, you've done more funerals this year, it seems like, you've, than you've ever done. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the actual uh, statistic or not, but it just feels that way. Um, and so for those who are listening, I want you to just take a moment and think about these, this question that we talked about here and, and, and just meditate there on uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Spend some time reading through that and think about the fact that you're going to be able uh, to see those loved ones again. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've often heard it said, and I never understood it until you know, recently, I've heard people say, you know, heaven gets sweeter as you get older. Mm-hmm. And I always, as a young child, I'd hear people say that, and I was mm-hmm. like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, as a young child, I was like, I don't want to die. You know, mm-hmm. I want to live. I mm-hmm. want to, I want, I don't want to think about uh, the end of life. Um, but now, as I've gotten older, and I'm not old by any stretch of the imagination, I'm beginning to understand what people say when they say that heaven gets sweeter as you get older. That's right. Because as you get older, you find that there are people that, are in your life that leave you and they go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've lost your your mom and your dad. That would be my grandfather and grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've lost my grandparents on, on my mom's side, and um, we've lost uh, aunts and uncles and right. uh, cousins. And and then I think about just dear people that have been in my life. Uh, think about people from our, our previous churches, mm-hmm. uh, church in, um, in uh, Chester, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Think about Don Hall. Yeah. Uh, sorry, not Don Hall, Don Thomas, um, yeah. uh, who was there in Chester, and, and Robert Clack, and some of those mm-hmm. you know, good old faithful saints. Um, yeah. And those have gone on to be with the Lord, and, and you just, you just, it seems like we're losing all the good ones many That's times. Right. And I think about here at, uh, in, in Emmon and Holston Creek Baptist Church, we've, uh, we've lost Sam Stone, and we've lost Cecil Ballou, and we've lost Betty Ballou, and we've lost... Um, Isaac Bryant. Isaac Bryant, yes. Yeah. Um, and, and we've uh, j- just recently we have Nancy Maccabee and Wayne who passed away earlier in the year. Dear saints. Dear saints. And and so these are all people who were close to me and that I knew them, and uh, they've gone on to be with Jesus. And so I, I now understand what it means that heaven gets sweeter as you get older because mm-hmm. there comes a point in your life that sometimes you feel like you know more people in heaven than you know on earth. That's right. And uh, I know many of you who are older in age, older than me, will, will definitely understand that and feel that. Um, and so I just want to I want to take after after Paul here is writing in, in Thessalonians and and say, uh, be comforted by what we're telling you today. Uh, go mm-hmm. back and listen to heaven is mm-hmm. uh, go back and listen to the first session of questions of of uh, and answers about heaven. And then think about what we talked about today. And again, meditate on that first Thessalonians uh, chapter four there and um and just take joy and satisfaction in knowing that this word, this book that I'm holding in my hand right here, every word is true. That's right. And so 
one day there's going to be that reunion. It may be that you uh, you don't, don't live to to the rapture um, and to the second coming of Christ. Uh, you may be out of here next year, mm-hmm. or that may be the year that Jesus comes back. We don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, one way or another, there's going to be a great reunion that's going to occur that's in the right. sky, and we're going to be reunited with our loved ones. We're going to be uh, re- reunited with brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about, Dad. We all have friends in this earth, mm-hmm. um, but I'm thinking that, you know what, there's new friends in heaven right. that we, we maybe never even have met. That's right. Uh, and in fact, your best friend may not even be here on this earth. You may make the best friend you've ever had in heaven. Yeah. Uh, and so that's just something to think about there. And and then again, let's not lose fact uh, or lose vision on the fact of uh, Jesus is in heaven, and that's going to be the right. sweetest part of heaven, that's regardless right. of family and friends and everything else, and all these great people maybe through history and even the, the writers of the Bible. I'd love to sit down and talk with Paul a little bit and say, okay, Romans is a heavy book. Talk to me about it. How did you yeah. come up with that? Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly than all of that is just to be able to see Jesus and, like I said, walk with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, love walking with them here on earth, but I can't wait to walk with them in heaven That's on the right. streets of gold. Well, Dad, that brings us to our, our last and final question, and uh, probably uh, the most important question, and that is, how can we know for sure that we'll go to heaven? Yes. In an article entitled, Next Stop, The Pearly Gates or Hell, taken from the Los Angeles Times, Connie Kang pointed out that for every American who believes he's going to hell, there are 120 who believe they're going to heaven. But this optimism stands in stark contrast to the words of Jesus. Now, we talked about these words in a podcast uh, some months ago over in Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Jesus made it very clear here in these verses that most people are not going to heaven. Now, having said this, how can you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are going to heaven? Well, you need to understand that heaven is a prepared place for prepared people, and the preparation is to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Now, there are some places you could never go without a reservation, and heaven is one of those places. The reservation book for heaven has got a name. It's called the Book of Life. Over in Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, the Bible says, And anyone not found written in the Book of Life was cast into the lake of fire. Well, how do you get your name in that Book of Life? Well, it's easy as ABC. Number one, A, admit that you're a sinner. You see, the the Bible tells us that we've all disobeyed God. Sin is anything you do, say, or think that displeases God. Revelation 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That includes me, you, everybody. We've all disobeyed God. And Romans 6.23 says that the wages of our sin is death. And that word death implies separation. Sin separates us from God. Now, to go to heaven, we have to admit, number one, that we're a sinner. Because if we don't know that we're a sinner and we're not willing to deal with our sin, then how in the world can we even know that we need to be forgiven and go to heaven? We've got to admit. And then number two, we've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to believe that Jesus 
is the Son of God, that He came down from heaven to this earth on a mission, and that was a rescue mission. He lived a a spotless, perfect life, having never sinned on his human side. See, he was God and man at the same time. And this Jesus, he willingly laid his life down on a cross. Yes, his arms were stretched out. They were nailed to a cross, and so was his feet. The cross was the cruelest form of death known to man back during the time of Jesus. And I would say today that it's still the cruelest form of death known to man. He was tortured. He suffered greatly on the cross. You see, he wasn't dying to pay the penalty for his own sins. You know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. No, he had no sin. He was acting as our substitute. He filled in for us and took our place and died on our behalf so that we would not have to pay the penalty for sin. And only he could do that for everyone else is a sinner. But he had no sin. He was a fitting substitute for us. You've got to believe that Jesus came down to this earth and died in your place, that he was buried, and he came back to life again to prove that he was who he said he was, the Son of God. And then in regard to what he did for us, we've got to confess, confess our sins. Hey, it was our sin that caused Jesus to go to the cross. And so we've got to ask Jesus to forgive us. And then out of gratitude for him forgiving us, asking him in faith, particularly forgiving us for our lack of faith and belief, we have to turn away from our sins. While we would want to turn away from our sins, out of gratitude for what Jesus did for us and receive him as our personal Lord and Savior, willingly submit our life to live for him forevermore. So the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, he's got to be Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. That's my favorite word, saved. That means saved from something and for something. You'll be saved from the penalty of sin, which is death, separation from God, and saved for the purpose of living with Christ in glory. The Bible goes on to say, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So what God asks us to do in the light of what Jesus has did is accept what he did on our behalf on the cross to acknowledge that by asking him to personally forgive us with our mouths, confess him, and then commit our life to serve him. If we really believe that he is who he said he was, that he did what he said he did for us, we'd want to live for him. Commit your life to serve him. That means to turn from your sins. And you can express that to God in prayer. Just ask God to forgive you of your sins. Would it be okay, Matt, if I just go ahead right now and lead these that are listening that might be uh, unsaved to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior? That would be fine. All right. Well, great. Well, listen, I'm going to pray the prayer I prayed a long time ago as a as a boy. I acknowledged the fact when I was 10 years old that I was a sinner, and I wanted to go to heaven. I knew Jesus died for me, and so I ask him to forgive me of my sin, and I ask him to come and live inside of me through his spirit. I was devoid of his spirit. I asked him to come live inside of me and take control of my life and to be my Lord. And I promise you this, when I asked him, he didn't refuse me. He didn't turn me away. He accepted me to be his child, forgave me of all my sin. Here's that prayer that I prayed, and I'm going to pray it slow in case someone out in the podcast audience would like to pray to receive Christ today. 
and you can pray along after me if God speaks to your heart, if you're really willing to turn from your sin and live for him. Here's that prayer. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know Jesus died for me. He was buried and he came back to life to prove who he said he was, the son of God. Today, I accept Jesus as my savior. I'm trusting in his death to pay the penalty for my sins. Out of gratitude, I'm turning away from my sin right now in repentance. And I promise to live for Jesus for the rest of my life. Please accept me into your forever family. Cleanse me. Wash away all my sin. Come and live inside my body through the Holy Spirit and take control of my life and take me to heaven when I die. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now today, if you ask God to forgive you of your sins and you turn from them and you were really sincere with your whole heart, this is what you wanted, then God wrote your name in a book, the book of life. You've made your reservation for heaven. Matt, I think you've got a final word to share with us. Yeah, sure do. And and so, um, Dad, thank you for doing that uh, for us. I just, as I was studying this week, I did run across a, a story. And I, I want to share it with our listeners. I know we, we just kind of prayed and wrapped up, but I, I want to share this uh, just as kind of a closing thought here. It says, there's an old legend of a swan and a crane. A beautiful swan alighted on the bank of the water in which the crane was waiting, seeking snails. A few moments later, the the crane began to view the swan with stupid wonder and inquired, Exactly where do you come from? I come from heaven, replied the swan. And where exactly is heaven? asked the crane. Heaven, said the swan. Heaven, have you never heard of heaven? And the beautiful bird went on to describe the grandeur of the eternal city. She spoke of the streets of gold and the, the gates and the walls made of precious stones, the river of life, pure as crystal, and upon whose banks there is a tree whose leaves shall be for the healing of nations. In eloquent terms, the swan sought to describe the host who live in the other world, but without arousing the slightest interest on the part of the crane. Finally, the crane asked, are there any snails there? Snails, repeated the swan. No, of course not. Then the crane said, well, you can have heaven. I want snails. You know, this fable has a deep underlying truth in it. You know, I wonder how many people have forfeited heaven because they were busy looking for the snails of sin. Right. And so I just want to encourage everyone to think about that story today. What is in your life that you're looking for, you're searching for, that could be greater than having an opportunity to live forever uh, in a place where there is no pain, there is no more fear, there is no tears, um, there is a perfect paradise, and it's as very simple as Dad put it as, as saying your ABCs. Mm-hmm. And so I'd encourage you to do that today. And if you did, while we were saying that prayer, I want to be the first to congratulate you and to call you uh, a fellow brother or sister in Christ. 
And if you would, please uh, reach out to us, send us an email. You can email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com and let us know that you made this decision. We're not going to sell your information. We're not going to try to to do anything uh, with that. We just want to know that a decision was made so that we can celebrate with you and that we can help, if you need it, uh, get into uh, the next steps of your, your Christian life. You know, and we have listeners from all around the world, Dad. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I'll never probably get an opportunity to meet uh, some of the people that may make a decision on this podcast. But I want to go ahead and say it right now that if you made that decision, I look forward to meeting you on those streets of gold. That's right. And we'll walk together uh, and we'll talk about uh, the decision you made here uh, listening to the Bonefire podcast. And uh, I tell you what, it's just been a great series, Dad, uh, talking about heaven. I look forward to it. It's growing sweeter day by day. That's right. Uh, We love all you guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonefire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.